Hello. I struggle with alcohol and codependency, and my name is Michelle. Let's open in prayer. Lord, thank you for your grace and for loving me even when I couldn't love myself. I pray for everyone that is sharing their story today and for everyone that is here today. In your precious name, amen. My entire life, from the time I was small until almost 11 years ago, I was a person that was worried about things I could control, things I couldn't control, and everything in between. I was a person that was known as the fixer. I would try and fix every person and every situation to make sure they were happy and not upset with me or anyone in my world. I worried about people and saw no value in myself, my dreams, or my own feelings. I didn't feel I was worth anyone's concern or anyone's effort. My parents divorced when I was about seven years old, and I remember trying to make sure my mom was okay and that my dad was okay. Now, my pan parents handled their divorce pretty darn well, but my trying to make sure life was perfect and that I was perfect when I was with each one of them was absolutely exhausting. Looking back now, I realize at seven years old, I lost my childhood innocence and the ability to be carefree. My dad was addicted to alcohol and drugs, so staying with him was always an experience. My mom was trying to survive with just her and I, many times with no car and certainly with no extra money. My mom made sure I always had something to eat and shoes on my feet, but I also added that to my worry list, that's for sure. This behavior continued through grammar school and high school. I pretty much became invisible and stayed in the shadows. I had a few friends that I did things with, but nothing to draw attention to myself or to put myself out there. I started working by the time I was 14 years old to help with bills, so I didn't have a summer vacation or any type of Christmas break to hang out with my friends. When I graduated high school, I tried to go to junior college part-time and work full-time, but it didn't work real well, so I quit college so that all the money I was making could go, go towards bills and helping my mom. At 23, I got married, and I had my pride and joy, my son. His dad and I didn't stay married but two years. In recovery, part of the process is looking at our part, and I had to look real hard at my part in this marriage and why it ended so quickly. I still didn't have a voice because I didn't think it mattered. I think if I would have expressed my thoughts and my feelings, we might have been able to work through some things, but my low self-esteem and thinking I wasn't important and that I didn't matter, quite frankly, got in the way. To this day, we are still great friends and enjoy catching up at our grandbabies' events. The next marriage didn't end very well either. That one lasted 17 years but his dreams became my dreams, and we both had a part in that one ending. I became a sheep farmer, a row crop farmer, and we also had a chopping business. I should mention, when he met me, I was a city girl living in the Bay Area, working at a law firm. Talk about a 180 degree change. Now, could I have said no to any of these things? Well, yes, in theory, 
But in my mind, his wants and dreams were so much more important than mine, I needed to make sure he was living his life to the fullest. When that marriage ended, I was so broken. I didn't even know where to turn. I was volunteering to help serve dinner at Celebrate Recovery here at New Life on Mondays at that time, and as luck would have it, I was talking to someone that I had gotten to know pretty well at CR, and she said, you know, CR is for everyone. So that very next week, I stepped down from serving dinner, and I became a participant. I joined a 12-step and started going to group with the other ladies and figuring out that I did have a voice, and I really did have dreams. I also started figuring out why I worried so much about what people thought and why I thought their happiness was more important than mine. It was challenging to dig into all of those feelings and do all of that soul searching, but I came to realize I was actually worth it. This was a huge deal for me. The next thing I knew, in 2012, I was joining the leadership team here at Celebrate Recovery. I joined this team for me because it was something I truly wanted to do. I wanted to share the freedom from shame, guilt, and low self-esteem that I had received. I should also mention that I met the love of my life during this time. He is a man who loves God as much as I do and supports all of my hopes, my dreams, and all of my crazy ideas. Because believe me, now I have them and I express them. He is my true partner in this crazy life and I thank God for him each and every day. In 2013, I went back to college and I finished my bachelor's degree in 2015. In 2020, when COVID started, I went back to school and again, I am currently in the process of finishing my thesis and will be graduating with my master's degree in the next 30 days, I pray. I do not share these things to boast at all, but to show that Celebrate Recovery helped me see what God has known the entire time, but I didn't. I truly am worth the effort, and just like everyone here today, I am one of his favorite kids. I'm currently in the process of taking on another new adventure in my life. As of this month, I am taking on the role as ministry leader of our Celebrate Recovery here at New Life. Eleven years ago, that certainly would not have been an option for me. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. This became my life verse back when I started in the recovery process, and it is still true for me today. If you relate to any of the hurts, habits, or hang-ups that you hear today, my prayer is that you will consider coming to see what we are all about on a Monday night. I would love to welcome you just like I was welcomed into this family and share this journey with you. Thank you for letting me share. Hi, everybody. My name is Pepe, and I'm a grateful believer and follower in Lord Jesus and in recovery from drug addiction and alcoholism. I was born in 1960, Anaheim, California. I was the youngest of four boys. And so now the story begins. I started smoking pot in the summer between sixth and seventh grade. And because of it, I was seen to be as the coolest kid in school. 
and after being teased and treated like I was less than or different than the other kids in school, that was a pretty good feeling, a sense of belonging. It seems that I never knew any type of emotions other than fear or tears. I had the fear of being left out once again and tears of not wanting to be teased. I'm not saying I didn't have fun growing up. I just don't remember a lot of my childhood. I think smoking all that weed really messed up my memory, short-term and long-term. I started experimenting with cocaine, LSD, and pills that same summer. My friends were older than me by a few years, so that made me feel pretty important. By this time, I was selling drugs out of my parents' house, and I used the money to buy Red Mountain wine and Schlitz malt liquor and tall cans. Life was one big party, and in 1976, I was kicked out of school in my sophomore year, but not before I got my driver's license. I was 16 and had no idea of what being responsible meant. My dad was a general contractor, and I was told that if I'm not going to school, then I'm going to start working. So at the age of 16, I was making $100 a day, and I was much too young to know anything about what to do with my money. One day, my brother told me that I was moving to Turlock with him and his family, and there was no other choice. I saw it as an adventure, and I didn't realize or even have a clue of how disrespectful I was being towards my parents. Besides, they wanted me out of their house anyway. Well, the party lasted a couple of more years. My brother got sober, so the party continued without him. I had no self-respect. I was in the pit of despair and not even 21 years old yet. My parents let me move back in with them in Anaheim, and the party kept on. Only now, my mom and dad were really heavy drinkers. On my 21st birthday, I had the house all to myself, and we had a huge party, and the house got thrashed. The sheriffs in our neighborhood knew who I was, and back then I wasn't known for being pukey pure or nicey nice. I was a real animal. When I was 25, my first baby girl was born. Her name is Leah. But that didn't stop us from partying hard all the time. We had another little girl. Her name was Alicia. We were living in a seedy motel, and one night I woke up to use the bathroom, and when I checked on Alicia, I found her in her bassinet dead. I freaked out and ran out of the room yelling for help, carrying her little three-month, six-day-old, limp, lifeless body. The only comfort I found was in a bottle of Jack Daniels. Eventually, the girls, their mom, Suzanne, and I moved to Turlock. But moving from one place to another doesn't help your hurts, habits, and hang-ups. By now, it was 1988, and Suzanne had been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. It was terminal. She died in December of 1988. My drinking escalated and my drug use was out of controls. The girls moved to Colorado, but I didn't care as long as I was getting high and partying all the time. A year later, I got sober and met my first wife, Kim. I stayed sober for about six years. I still wasn't working on my hurts, habits, and hang-ups. I had just put the plug in the jug. And after all, isn't that enough? Just quit drinking, 
just put down the dope and life would be good? Well, the bad news is no. The good news is that I was arrested April 25th, 2001. And that's when I found God in my jail cell. And I've been clean and sober ever since then. A little over 20 years today. Not a drop of alcohol or any other mind-altering substances. I've learned over the years that a drug is a drug is a drug. And that alcohol is a drug along with marijuana. When I was in prison, I found so many Bible verses that hit home for me. This one is applicable for me every day. Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And that's in Matthew 11, verses 28 and 29. I had never known God or what he had that I could possibly want or need. It was all new to me, so it was easier for me to develop a relationship with him. I didn't have a bunch of stuff that I had to unlearn. My eyes were open, and I could see my time had arrived to leave those childish ways of living behind. I went to trial and lost. I was convicted of felony drug charges and sentenced to 13 years in the state penitentiary. I did every Bible correspondence course I could get my hands on. I completed over 100 lessons and have certificates as evidence. God covered me with his protection and love for the entire time I was in prison, which is 49 days short of seven years. I was introduced to Celebrate Recovery in Susanville, and we were the first group to kick it off. In 2005, I was transferred to Jamestown Prison, and I immediately got involved with Church, Celebrate Recovery, Alcoholics Anonymous, and Narcotics Anonymous. While I was in prison, I also completed my GED course. God kept blessing me with a happy, joyous, and free life, even though I was behind bars. When I was paroled on March 12th of 2008, I started coming to New Life with my brother and his family. What a blessing it has been coming here and getting involved with the men's ministry, Celebrate Recovery, and small groups. It was the message I had heard every week on Sunday that Pastor Dave would talk about relationships every week. That's what I heard. That's what jumped out at me the most. And being in prison for seven years, I had no friendships, no meaningful relationships. So the idea of having men and women as true friends sounded a little scary. But at the same time, it sounded like an adventure. I met my awesome, smart, beautiful, fun-loving wife, Michelle, and she is also a doer of the word, not just a hearer. We'll be celebrating 10 years of marriage this year. She's my best friend, a woman that I never thought I would get to live this awesome life with. We have been involved with different ministries together as well as doing some separately. I'm very involved in our Celebrate Recovery ministry on Monday nights, helping in any way I can to help men find a different way of life without having to use drugs, alcohol, sex, money, gambling, shopping, or even using anger as an escape from their reality. Today I have a, a catering business that I love. Hold on. <laughs> 
that I love. And for an old Torah from the floor up, hopelessly lost alcoholic, that's a pretty big deal. I have a handful of friends who truly love me no matter what. And I have a close relationship with my Lord and Savior Jesus that I cherish more than anybody or anything. Today I am a man of integrity. I mean what I say and I say what I mean. I pray that if you have any type of addiction, whether it's drugs, alcohol, sex, work, pornography, shopping, or any activity that temporarily takes your pain of the past, present, hurt, or hang up, that you ask Jesus to open your heart and mind and have the courage to seek God and help you heal. It's been an honor and a privilege to be here to share a small slice of my life with you. Thank you for letting me share. Hi, everyone. My name is Liz, and I'm a believer in Jesus, and I'm in recovery from alcohol and other chemicals, love and relationship addiction, and the after effects of abuse. Let me start with a prayer. Father, I pray that my words tonight are a sweet, sweet smell to you, that you use my words to reach whoever needs them, and that it may draw them closer to you. In Jesus' holy name, amen. My roots in love and relationship addiction began in early childhood. My mother suffered from serious mental illness and was very abusive. My dad was retired military, and when he was doing well, he was able to buffer it and keep my sisters and me safe. But when his alcoholism took him out of the house, to jail, to a halfway house, or simply missing for six months once, it was far worse. I used to tell teachers and others that my dad may be an alcoholic, but my mother is crazy. She is the problem, not him. As a teenager, I began to rail to the authorities. Uh, I began to rebel about, I'm sorry, I began to rebel about the use, abuse from my mother and tried to get authorities involved. I was made a ward of the court. After a suicide attempt when I was 16, the court sent me to juvenile hall for 10 months. During the family group sessions of that time, my mom just lied about everything and my dad sat mute, not correcting the record. I learned then that I could never depend on anyone but myself and that the authorities that I had revered as a military brat couldn't be trusted. My behavior changed and I went from a rule follower to a sneaky rebel. I became a skilled liar and learned to live a hidden life. I left home the week that I turned 18. That was when I got into the first truly abusive relationship. I had been promiscuous from 16 until this point, but usually with ordinary nice guys. This was the first time I had allowed someone other than my mother to control me and abuse me. I continued to drink, be promiscuous, married and divorced twice, and lived a miserable hidden double life until I was 27. 1 John 1, 9, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful to give us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. February 24th, 1985, I found traditional recovery through the 12 steps. I had been raised in a cult, new thought type religion that taught that the only God there was consisted of me getting in touch with some nebulous inner power and using the power of positive thinking to manifest good things in my life. Since I obviously could not do this, I was subjected to shame and metaphysical guilt for the failure. Then recovery told me that I had to find God in order to recover, and I thought, well, I just can't do that. 
I identified as an agnostic in traditional recovery for over 10 years. Because I lacked a personal relationship with the triune God of the Bible, I stayed sober but missed out on the fruits of a true relationship. I continued to follow my own way and thinking. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. In early sobriety, I met and married a sober guy who had serious mental illnesses in addition to his drug and alcohol use. Everybody who knew us both said it was a terrible idea. Both of us had sponsors at the time and both of them fired us. Many people will say that girls marry their dads, but I married my mother. Then, because I was such a rule follower, I convinced myself that even though it was a train wreck and clearly not God's will for me, I was married, so I had to stay. I ended up staying for 30 years. After I adopted my daughter in 1998, I started taking her to local churches so that she could find, have some way to have a spiritual life. And we knew that traditional 12-step meetings were no way for her to find that. We ended up in a tiny country church in the Central Coast area. Again, God knew exactly where to take me, and the pastor of that church lovingly mentored me for months until May of 2000 when I felt the Holy Spirit enter and I became a Christian. Never once had I truly offered myself to him and had certainly never promised to obey. That was what was missing, obedience. Ruth 1.16, I will go where you go. I will live where you live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. I stopped my participation in traditional recovery while keeping my commitment to sobriety and started to study the Bible. I became more and more involved in my church, but that caused severe conflict in my home. I had converted and become a Christian, but my husband hadn't. I eventually had religious persecution added to all the other forms of abuse that were happening in my home. I was forbidden for tithing, ridiculed for my involvement in church activity and service, and blocked at every turn. As with the wife in the case for Christ, I persevered and prayed that God would soften his heart. This continued for another 15 years. I returned to active participation in traditional recovery when we moved to Houston in 2010. I still hadn't had a sponsor since the mid-90s, but I started to meet ladies who were also attending this thing called Celebrate Recovery. Some of my sponsees were going, and they invited me. I wasn't interested, but they started to take my daughter. She went to her first CR meeting several weeks before I went to mine. My pastor in Houston was very close to our family, and she and I spent a lot of time together. She was in my house often enough to see what was really going on. In mid-July 2016, I arranged a meeting with the pastor and him at our home and gave him a choice. Get professional help and return to taking his medications or else I would be forced to leave him. He refused and insisted there was nothing wrong with him. I left the house, returned later that night, and in the morning I packed up a suitcase and left. I called my friend and she agreed to meet me at my first Celebrate Recovery group. After the meeting, she let me come and stay at her house. I started the process of separation the next morning by filing a restraining order. A week later, the police removed him from my house, and I have been free ever since. I started to attend the abuse recovery group at Big Valley Grace every single week. It is the date on which I take chips for love and relationship addiction. If you were tracking, 
I had 15 years of recovery and 12 steps without a Christian faith. Then I had 15 years of church and the Bible, but no fellowship with other people in recovery. Now I've had six years of the blessing of having both, and it is the true answer for me. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. In January 2017, I started attending New Life Celebrate Recovery Mondays and realized that the real issue wasn't abuse. He wasn't my real problem. The real issue was relationship addiction. I'm the one who had picked him. I'm the one that had stayed with him for 30 years. I'm the one who had learned as a child how to function in the atmosphere of placating an irrational person and manipulating their behavior to keep myself, my sisters, and later my child safe. Again, never trusting or depending on God to be the master of my life. I began to see, feel and see the true fruits of the Spirit, and I began to find my true spiritual gifts. I thought that serving was one of my gifts, but I found out that it really wasn't. I had spent a lifetime serving the dangerous people in my life in order to control their behavior in a futile attempt to keep myself safe. My actual gifts are teaching and exhortation. As soon as I was able, I joined a 12-step group. While I was in that 12-step group and had really started to recover from the love and relationship addiction, I met the man who would become my husband. Joel 2.25, so I will restore to you the years that the swarming locusts have eaten. We started dating in September of 2017 and quickly realized that we loved each other. He was a Christian, kind, had a sponsor, sponsored other guys, truly worked a program. Before we met, we had both independently made the decision that if we were ever going to have a future relationship, we would do it God's way instead of our own. We discussed purity until marriage on our third date, and we were both in agreement. We kept that commitment until we married on Christmas Eve 2017. There were challenges coming that we had no way to know were coming, but we had the strength of faith and our marriage to carry us through the challenge that was on the horizon. We just celebrated our fourth anniversary last week. We both actively sponsor others and have sponsors ourselves. In spite of the restrictions in 2020 from the pandemic, I was able to lead a women's 12-step group on Zoom and six women completing, with six women completing the journey begins. Even more important than cleaning the completing the 12 steps, several of the ladies that joined the group were not believers when we started. I didn't know if they would stick it out, but all of them completed and are now leading, serving, and sponsoring others. They are all now talking about God and what he is doing in their lives. There is no joy in life greater than introducing a lost and broken person to the good news that we bring, and I am supremely blessed to finally be able to fully integrate my recovery life, my church life, my married life, and all other aspects of my existence into a seamless whole driven by God. If you're new to recovery, to life with Jesus, or both, I encourage you to talk to one of the leaders or pastors here today. And if you are ready to make a commitment to Jesus, someone will be available to pray with you. Thank you for letting me share.